It's November 2019, and in a cafe in Auckland, New Zealand, a huge fight is about to break out. The combatants were two unlikely opponents, a hardened matriarch, Elizabeth Chong, and an irate middle-aged man, Fang Sun. Their initial intentions had been to clear the air, find common ground. But how does one speak cordially about a mountainous debt of $20 million, a figure that seemed to take up all the oxygen in the room? I simply can't fathom where my millions have evaporated to. Fang Sun thundered, flinging his arms wildly, casting long, ominous shadows across the worn cafe table. That's not true. They haven't disappeared. Fang Sun's face reddened in disbelief. Then transfer it now. Here and now. Send me my money. Over coffee, the pair clashed, their words like dueling swords. Until finally, Fang Sun concluded that it was all a futile exercise. He bore his gaze into Elizabeth's steely countenance, his voice a low growl. You'll... you'll be in trouble. I don't care. Perceiving her dismissiveness, he leaned in, dropping his voice to a threatening whisper. It's not me you should worry about. It's the men from Hong Kong. They will be relentless. Elizabeth held her ground. We'll sort it out in the courtroom, she retorted, refusing to be intimidated. A chilling grin stretched across his face, causing a shiver to run down her spine. Elizabeth, the court won't murder you, but they will. You're listening to Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by 1UP Media. This episode contains scenes of graphic imagery and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Fast forward to December 2020, the grim discovery of Elizabeth Jong, age 55, shocked the nation. Stabbed more than 20 times, her lifeless body was concealed in the boot of a Land Rover. Her untimely demise unveiled a crumbling empire. At the heart of the wreckage was Sunbao Limited, a once flourishing company that had accumulated an astounding 28 million US dollars in assets, a testament to Elizabeth's relentless ambition. Although opinions about Elizabeth's aggressive approach to business were polarizing, she had curiously amassed a reputation as trustworthy within the Chinese community. But then COVID-19 struck, leading to a domino effect on her businesses, taking Sambao Limited along. While a variety of her business associates seem affected, none of them would seem more livid than Fang Sun. Fang Sun, a formidable figure at the age of 48, maintained an air of mystery about his past before his fateful meeting with Elizabeth in 2014 through Sunbao Limited. Although based in China, Sun often journeyed to New Zealand on business. His relationship with Elizabeth appeared close as he frequently stayed at her residence during his trips. It was known that the pair was not romantic. Despite conflicting and ambiguous accounts of their relationship, the consensus was that Fang Sun played the role of an investor while Sunbao Limited was the vessel for their joint ventures. At the height of their cooperation, 
Sunbao's portfolio boasted two film companies and two vineyards, amassing around 28 million in assets under management. But the tides quickly turn. Elizabeth, renowned within the Chinese community as a promoter of not only investments, but immigration through investments, ruffled many feathers. Her bullish optimism led to the dissolution of a partnership with Twarinki Delamere, the then Prime Minister of Immigration of New Zealand. Undeterred, Elizabeth forged ahead. Although it wasn't explicitly clear if her alliance with Fang Sun revolved around investments aimed at immigration benefits, it was evident that a strong sense of paranoia tainted Fang Sun's perspective of her. When probed, those close to Fang Sun often mentioned his deep-seated suspicion that Elizabeth was sabotaging his work visa. After the catastrophic collapse of Elizabeth's empire, Fang Sun became convinced that over 26 million of his investments had vanished into thin air. The details of Sun's fortune were largely shrouded in secrecy, yet he admitted in a statement that the losses had potentially devastating implications. From the surface, it appeared a classic case of a business partnership that had spiraled into disaster and that perhaps Fang Sun was paranoid. But several unsettling details lend credence to Fang Sun's claims. Among the most peculiar was Elizabeth's frequent pilgrimages to Sky City Casino. Her staggering 381 visits, coupled with reported losses of around $238,000 over the preceding four years, painted a troubling portrait. Remarkably, even as her businesses crumbled around her, Elizabeth continued to frequent the casino right up until November 25th, 2020, less than a month before her grim fate. For Sun, these revelations must have cemented his suspicions of mismanagement. But nothing could justify the gruesome fate that lay in store for Elizabeth. On the 28th of November, 2020, Elizabeth fell off the grid. Speculations swirled around her disappearance, with some suggesting she had taken her own life. After all, just a month prior, she had overdosed on pills. But close friends and family, who had kept a vigilant watch since her suicide attempt, weren't convinced. At 10.30am, the police arrived at Elizabeth's residence, their team meticulously capturing the scene. As the day wore on, an unsettling picture began to emerge. Traces of blood were found on the walls of Elizabeth's bedroom and in nine other locations, including the handles of a car. An exhaustive search of the surrounding area yielded no results, leading investigators back to a car, a Land Rover. Given the mounting evidence, they decided to force entry, fearing the worst for Elizabeth. At 6.47pm, Detective Temurunga shattered the quarter-light window of the left rear passenger door, breaking into the Land Rover. Fumbling inside, he couldn't find the button to open the boot, so he folded the back seat forward instead. What was that? The detective might have thought, before realising that sticking out from a blanket was a bent human knee. Trained to investigate for signs of life, he touched the surface of the knee, cold. Swiftly, the rest of his team was summoned, a forensic scientist among them. The sight that met their eyes was nothing short of horrific, 
Beneath a silver suitcase and a blanket lay Elizabeth, her lifeless form shrouded in blood-soaked towels. Her once vibrant hair was now a grisly mask, matted with blood and hidden within a blanket. The hunt for Elizabeth was over. The hunt for her murderer, however, was just beginning. But before we continue, we've got some exciting news for you. If any of you listening out there are interested in starting your own podcasts, perhaps even a true crime one just like ours, you can begin your journey by joining MediaCorp's Be A Podcaster competition. All you have to do is submit your original podcast entry by the 30th of September and you stand a chance to receive expert guidance, podcast support and even a grand prize of $5,000. If you're interested, you can visit melisten.sg or check out the link in the episode's description for more details. And now, back to the episode. As the investigation into Elizabeth's murder unfolded, the potential list of suspects widened. Given the fallout of her business empire and countless disgruntled partners who had lost substantial investments, any one of them could have been driven to the extreme. Yet three individuals stood out. First was Kai Gui David Jung, a former business partner to lover, then ex-lover. Text messages salvaged from Elizabeth's daughter's phone hinted at a debt of $20,000 owed by David to the family. He claimed the money was frozen, untransferable. Elizabeth and David had also jointly started a business venture worth $50,000, but the details remain obscured, shrouded in mystery. David, with his puzzling past and unfulfilled debts, seemed a plausible suspect. The second person of interest was an unassuming woman found surveilling Elizabeth's residence identified as Frida Tang. She claimed that her life was ruined by Elizabeth, citing a family's loss of nearly $30 million. Frida emerged as a crucial piece in the intricate puzzle, leading the investigators to their prime suspect, Frida's ex-husband, Fang Sun. In Fang Sun, the detectives found a mounting case against him. Apart from the collapse of their business relationship and his thinly veiled threats, Sun had hired a private investigator to shadow Elizabeth. He had even planted a tracking device on her Land Rover. His obsession with her routines and whereabouts seemed to intensify, leading up to her death on November 27th. CCTV footage further implicated Fang Sun. A grainy recording placed him near Elizabeth's residence at an incriminating hour, 3.38am, the estimated time of her death. Through circumstantial evidence, including trace DNA, prosecutors continued to build up a picture of the day's events. Fang Sun, intimately familiar with the layout of Elizabeth's home, would have known that the back door was often left unlocked. After scaling the fence, he could have quietly slipped into a bedroom and executed the savage attack. The silver suitcase became a makeshift body bag, easing the macabre task of moving her body to the Land Rover. Surveillance cameras captured the vehicle cruising the neighbourhood around 7.48am a time when Elizabeth was presumably already dead. The Land Rover then made a brief stop at Fang Sun's home before embarking again. By 8.05am, the vehicle was parked in the spot 
where it would be later discovered by the police. Three minutes later, another CCTV feed picked up a figure meandering towards Fang Sun's neighborhood. Although the figure's identity was uncertain, the direction suggested that he had come from the park Land Rover. Between the figure's location and the next surveillance camera were 13 houses. Fang Sun's house was one of them, and intriguingly, the figure disappeared from the CCTV feed after his home. This figure, as the detective surmised, likely returned to one of the 13 houses sandwiched between the Park Land Rover and the next surveillance camera. It was an unsettling conjecture, placing Fang Sun at the scene at the time of Elizabeth's death. Despite the compelling chain of events, the investigators were cautious. Each piece of evidence was circumstantial. It could simply have been a cruel twist of fate that Fang Sun was in the wrong place at the wrong time. However, the prosecutors found this uncharacteristic series of events hard to dismiss. Two months after Elizabeth's murder, in February 2021, Fang Sun was named the alleged killer. Thus began the six-week trial of Fang Sun. The courtroom buzzed with anticipation as the prosecutors laid out their chilling narrative. The death threats, DNA evidence, and meticulous planning painted a grim picture of Fang Sun's alleged actions. To add more depth, the prosecution unveiled additional pieces of the puzzle. Firstly, it came to light that Fang Sun had instructed his assistant to book a beach cottage in Waikato on the very day of the murder, possibly crafting an alibi. However, his late arrival at the resort hinted at an unforeseen hitch in his plans earlier that day. Secondly, police had unearthed a sketch of Elizabeth's home within Fang Sun's residence, its layout annotated with CCTV coverage areas. Thirdly, it appeared highly unlikely that Elizabeth's Land Rover would end up at Fang Sun's property unless he himself had been behind the wheel. This led to the inference that he had likely used the vehicle to transport and dispose of evidence from a home to his own. However, the defense raised troubling counter-arguments. For most was a sketch of Elizabeth's house. In a surprising twist, it bore no fingerprints linking it to Fang Sun, undermining its value as direct evidence. Next, the DNA evidence came under scrutiny. Apparently, the forensic tests could not decisively differentiate between the genetic material of Fang Sun and his son the latter of whom had frequented Elizabeth's home and vehicle a year earlier. Could the DNA have been innocently transferred during these visits and merely misinterpreted as incriminating evidence? Lastly, the defense presented a logical argument. Would Fang Sun, reputedly a shrewd businessman, be so reckless as to murder Elizabeth, knowing he would be the prime suspect? This seemed an uncharacteristic folly for a man of his acumen. As both the prosecution and defendant parry back and forth, they called over 50 witnesses to shed light on the issue. By the end of the six weeks, the jurors had to determine beyond reasonable doubt if Fang Sun was indeed the murderer. Amidst the heavy silence of the courtroom, the verdict was delivered. Fang Sun was found guilty. Oh, His stoic demeanour unshaken as he was sentenced to a minimum of 18 years and 6 months in prison. 
In the years following the trial, the financial aftershocks of the event rippled beyond Fang Sun and the Chinese community in New Zealand. A man named Meng Bin arrived from China a year after Fang Sun's sentencing, demanding the return of about $1.5 million in assets. A Beijing court had already ruled in Meng's favour, but Fang Sun's imprisonment in New Zealand had stalled the execution of the agreement. Despite the New Zealand High Court affirming Meng's entitlement, the recovery process promised to be a drawn-out battle. Liquidating Fang Sun's assets while a potential solution could take up to two years. The downfall of Sanbao Limited had thrown countless lives into disarray. The echoes of its collapse and the murder at its heart will linger, reverberating in the lives it touched. Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast, is brought to you by MediaCorp and 1UP Media. This episode was produced and written by Guangjin, edited by Alex, narrated by Jason, audio experience by Ethan Sam, additional engineering by Ashley from 1UP Media. Special thanks to executive producer Danny Cordy from MediaCorp. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one.